Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we are speaking with Jonathan and Amanda Texera of Wallet Win, a company that helps Catholics in all stages of life be intentional with their money. Today, they will be discussing um, their expertise on how to set financial goals as a couple and family. Thank you guys so much for being on the show again. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. We're just going to dive right in. Um, and we're talking about the new year and setting goals and looking at how to, you know, plan a successful year ahead. And I know we're at the end of January now, but can you guys give any suggestions on how to make goals and what those financial goals can be rooted in? One of the best ways to figure out what a financial goal should be is maybe to think about the things that are keeping you up at night, the things you are worried about, the things that are frustrating you. Maybe if you're married, what are those money fights? What's the root mm-hmm. of those money fights that's going on? Uh, those are probably things that you would be happy if uh, they could change. And so maybe that's a good spot to start. And actually our very, um, our very first New Year's resolution that we made as a married couple, we got married in late October of 2011 and, you know, had to get through all the paperwork and get a shared bank account and blah, blah, blah. We did finish that up in 2011. But then 2012, our big financial goal or New Year's resolution was to get out of debt because we had a huge fight on our honeymoon about the honeymoon getting put on a credit card. And then I got a notification while we were on the honeymoon that the bill was due and we didn't have money for it. And I got really upset. <laughs> and Nice move, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and so the whole goal was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to do that whole thing where like we're at each other's throats and resenting each other or bitter or frustrated about money, our whole marriage. Like we've seen that happen and we don't want that. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to become debt free as that first big goal. And again, like he had said, you know, what are those things that are causing issues for you? What are what's keeping you up at night? What's getting in the way of you being able to say yes to whatever God's calling you to next? And for us at that moment, it was it was debt hands down. It was the debt and that we didn't know what was going on with our money. You know, we didn't have a budget. We didn't. It was just kind of money in spend until maybe it almost ran out and then we'd get more money. And that is not a plan. <laughs> that's not a way to manage your your finances. But so many people, that's just how it is, right? Um, we call that bank balance budgeting, where you're at the store and you see some stuff, you open your banking app to see how much you have. And if it's higher than the thing you want to buy, then you know you can buy it. That's not actually budgeting, but that's what we were we were operating on in those early years. And so in 2012, we learned not only that skill of budgeting, which helped us communicate about money and find a common language around it, but then we used the budget to actually pay off the debt. And we were able to get out of debt in just under eight months. Um, And we thought it was going to take about a year, but it took us about eight months because we just got so excited and we built so much momentum. And then of course, after that, you know, there's been a long time since 2012. We've turned that same um, excitement, if you will, to other different financial goals. But the budget has always been that tool that's helped us prioritize whatever those are. And do would you recommend like where where do you start with the budget? Like where should couples, especially let's say a lot of couples getting married young, you know they they have college debt, they have um, other types of debt. Where do you begin? 
because it can be very overwhelming to look at those numbers and then say, okay, we're going to do this. Where would you start with the budget and what, and and what categories are the most focus? Yeah. I, budgeting is really that foundational skill. And if you want to go ahead and chat about it, you can, but I will mention right up front that we actually teach people how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, catholicbudgetguide.com. We literally have a, a video training where we um, teach people how to actually go about doing this in a non-overwhelming step-by-step way. Also in a way that's not intimidating and it helps you create a budget you actually like and want to use. It's not, um, you know, some people think of a, a budget as like a punishment or the thing that tells me I don't get to spend any money. And that's not how we view it at all. And really as Catholics, it's just, it's a stewardship tool to help us be accountable with the resources entrusted to us. Um, and it just helps us to make that plan every single month. And to, if we're married, cooperate with our spouses and then certainly with our Lord on where maybe is he asking us to go ahead and and spend that money or or categorize that money. Now, as far as categories go, um, you know, there's there's first and foremost going to be those just standard living expenses that you just have that are just there. You know, the roof over your head, the groceries on the table, the electricity keeping the lights on, the water. These are just standard things that we need to have in our budgets. But also right up there with that, I would encourage people to be prioritizing giving. And so after those two things are prioritized in the budget, now you kind of have that money that's beyond that to now think about any discretionary spending. If I want to go, if we want to go out on a date night, if we want to go out to eat as a family once a month, if we want to save for a vacation or a second car, um, if we only have one in early years in our marriage, we only had one. I'm sure most people start off with two, but we just had one. Um, if we want to grow our family, you know, setting money aside for that. Um, and the budget's going to help you to make sure there's money for all of those different things, but you don't accidentally spend the money you should have put towards, you know, the mortgage or rent or the money that you wanted to give. And the budget's going to hold you accountable in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just a plan for how you want to spend your money this month. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you, somebody, I don't know if I want to go through a whole thing and just start with that. If you're a little intimidated, just start with, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to make a plan for how I want to spend my money. Now, I do encourage uh, that you go through something like the Catholic Guide to Budgeting. Uh, it's good. We're going to teach you about categories, about how to talk about it, how to go through all that. Uh, but no matter what you do or what method you do, whether you have an app or a spreadsheet or a piece of paper, if it works for you and it is you're successful in creating and living your plan, then that is the method for you. Mm-hmm. So there's the idea of the, the saver and the spender. How would you go about discussing, let's say there's a couple or a married couple that are on different sides of that kind of spectrum of one's a saver, one's a spender, and maybe they their their views don't align. So how would you go about how would you suggest approaching that challenge? I'm I am a spender. And I am a saver. <laughs> and that caused all that conflict in the <laughs> in the early years, really it did. But I, again, I'd say that the budget has actually helped balance us both uh, because sometimes a, a, you know, a saver, their default is just maybe they'll do well with their money in their life. They, they say they're doing well, but they just didn't spend money and they just accumulated 
that's not really good stewardship. It's kind of, it's not active. It's just passive. It's not really what we're called to. Um, We should be choosing to save, choosing to give, choosing to invest, choosing to spend appropriately. You know, it's, it's not, it doesn't take a whole lot of virtue to just not spend money. And that's not always the right answer. It really isn't in a lot of situations. Spending money can be a very good thing. But for the saver, how would you say, I mean, the spender, how would you say um, budgeting has been a benefit? It is a great benefit because now there's a, a number of them, but one of them is I can go, I know what I've got to spend. So that feels good. I know. All right, this is this is what we've got for the grocery trip. So I'm not throwing everything in the in the cart. Or this is what's been set aside for Jonathan's fun money that I get to, you know, get do whatever I want with. We love that category. Uh, you need that. <laughs> um, but I know, okay, that's what I've got. Not this much or not that much. So it's it really has helped me uh, be more disciplined. Yeah, yeah, more disciplined. I get more out of the spending because I'm more intentional mm. about the spending. Um, so that's been a big benefit. Uh, it also just helps me stop and be more intentional. I, w- I don't know if this is the case with all spenders, but I think a good number of us are a little impulsive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so having the budget, I have to sit down, you know, up to a month ahead of when I'm going to spend that money, uh, if, you know, if it's at the end of the month. And so I have to stop and think about what I want to buy, why I want to buy it, what do I need, what don't I, and then move on from there other than or instead of operating out of, ooh, let's get that. Um, and bottoming out all of your budget categories by week two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's um it's very interesting because I think, you know, I'm I probably would fall underneath the the spender category, but in the sense of experiences and stuff. So like date nights are important and you know, it's having to justify or having to schedule those out and know how much intentionally that you're gonna spend and and be very intentional about that. Um so if you have a couple, let's say, that comes to you and asks, okay this is all great and good, but I'm, you know, I, I struggle with a lot of fear. I I come from, you know, maybe they have a lot of fear from their own personal financial background, family. How do you, what, what's some advice that you would give them to kind of overcome the fear, um, and embrace the new kind of mentality of it? Mm -hmm. So we oftentimes, you know, we have, we teach, um, four financial phases and 12 money milestones. We just happen to have this sheet right in front of us. So we can share it on the, on the actual screen, but it's our step-by-step kind of paint by numbers plan with handling your money from a Catholic worldview. And the very first step, the very first money milestone is figuring out your money mindset. And I think you're right. You nailed it on the head there with, um, a lot of times we're carrying baggage or wounds or fears around money that, really are not of God and they're not aligned with a a Catholic worldview around money. And they've been influenced by our families of origin, by different experiences we've had, but they do need to be examined and looked at. And if they're not helpful or grounded in truth, they need to be eradicated, evicted, whatever you want to say, and replaced with the truth. You know, we're called um, as disciples of, of Christ to take every thought captive and submit it to the Lord and to be thinking on things that are that are good, that are true, that are beautiful, that are praiseworthy, etc. Um, and so 
we encourage couples and we actually, you know, we have another guide if people want access to it, where we help couples have a conversation about unpacking their financial history. And the first part of it is actually going through and doing some journaling and considerations of what did your family of origin give you or what kind of financial experiences have you had up to this point that have shaped your money mindset? You know, did you watch your parents um, debit cards get denied in the grocery line? Did you, um, you know, did somebody in your family have to file bankruptcy or did you did you lose your home in the 2008, you know, um, crisis that happened? Did you sign up for credit cards so you get a free T-shirt at college and then you racked up a bunch of debt and you feel shamed? Just these little things can happen. And then all of a sudden we attach an identity to it. And those are the things that we need to kind of mine and, and dig for and unsurface, if you will and uncover and then ask the Lord to come in and heal those places, but then to fill it with the truth. And we can do that, especially if we're married, we need to do it not only with ourselves first, but then we need to communicate it with the other person. Uh, and then from there, we can kind of see what we're both dealing with. And then what are these financial thoughts, attitudes, and habits that we don't want to move forward with us in our marriage? And let's go ahead and put them aside or not not reinforce those anymore. But what are the things that we actually want? We want to be thinking about money rightly. We want to be people that don't need to rely on debt. We want to be people that steward our money well. You know, these aspirations now can replace some of those fears. And there's a little bit of an element of fake it till you make it. You kind of mm-hmm. just got to get started. And as you get some wins, all of a sudden your identity begins to transform as you see these things actually happening. You know, how does a baby learn how to walk? They don't just stand up and race around the room. They take a step, they fall, they stand up again, they toddle, they smack their heads on the fireplace. It's it's kind of a messy process to actually perfect running. And the same is going to be for us with our money. But as time goes by and we start to build confidence in ourselves that, okay, you know, I actually, I created this budget and I, I stuck with it and I saw a good result. And then the next month we tried and got a little better and there were some bumps, but we, we kept, we kept persevering. As that happens, we go through that transformation process. And next thing you know, within, you know, probably three to six months, your identity could be completely shifted away from these financial fears and wounds into a place of feeling confident and hopeful with money. Even though your money situation may not have changed all that much, you now have new skills and tools to do something different with it. And as you see the evidence before you, it changes some of those old convictions that you had. You mentioned previous wounds and there's a lot that people can go through and stuff, but with the idea of managing, you know, and starting now and starting, you know, hopefully young when you're before you have kids and then kind of growing through that, you set that expectation for your family, ideally. So how candid should you be, like, let's say, with talking about money with your children? Yeah, it needs to be talked about. Uh, yeah. My parents, I think they did, seems they did a pretty good job managing money um, or, or do a good job. But we didn't really talk about it too much, right? I saw them sit down every, maybe it was every month or whatever, and balance the checkbook and go through the old return checks and all that stuff when you when you did that. Uh, I saw, I knew that my dad went on the computer and he, you know, kept track of stuff, but they never talked about it. 
there was never, hey, let me show you what we're doing or, hey, this is what I'm doing on the computer. I'm making this plan or I'm checking to make sure it all adds up or whatever it was. Uh, when I needed, you know, new clothes or whatever for school, it was, all right, well, let's see. We'll see how it goes or um, we'll go out and, and get something. But I never knew how much was available to buy stuff. And so there was always this this like murky cloud of what is the financial situation that I'm living in. And I don't know. And so maybe it's really small. And so I just got kind of got a little bit of that in me. Um, we want to talk with our kids in uh, obviously an honest way, uh, but, you know, straightforward, age appropriate, all that. And as positive um, and truthful as we can. And so uh, making sure that there's not little little lines that slip out of us. Um, right. If it's, Hey, can I, you know, can we get this Lego set? Well, it's not that we don't have money, right? I'm not saying no, because we don't have money for that, but we haven't put that in our plan. Um, we're prioritizing this or that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that vacation we're saving up for, well, if we buy this Lego set, then we, that's that much less money for the vacation, whatever it is. So really kind of help them walk through this and that and that, uh, instead of just like, no, we're not getting that. Nope. 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 Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, then that's a thing that can, you know, they're going to be carrying in later on. As they get older, you can reveal more and more of the details, um, more and more of, of the numbers of the situations and things. Uh, and again, it's not just a dump um, information or responsibility heaviness on a kid, especially too early, but to have them in the know. Uh, so they have the information to work from. And then as they get older, uh, so probably, probably teenage years, certainly later teenage years, uh, you can have them managing their money themselves. The money you would spend on them to, you know, whatever it is, get clothes for school and pay the dues for soccer and this other thing, like just give all of that money to them. And now it's up to them to make sure to make the decision on what it's spent on and how much and keeping track of it. Uh, that's really going to set them up for success because yep. they'll probably screw up um, because they're new <laughs> and handling money. But I would rather the kids screw up when it's at home with a few hundred dollars than when they're out of the house on their own and it's thousands of dollars and it's a lot messier to clean up. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a great point. Would you also start maybe showing them how to make goals too? Because as a couple, you make your beginning of the year goals. Would you do the same? Would you sit down with your children too and help them see that? Or would you include them in your goals? I think I would. You know, we we actually have curriculum for kids and it is different, again, according to the age group. So we have a class for um, grade schoolers, middle schoolers, and high schoolers. And they're going to have different goals at each age. So, you know, a high schooler, they should probably be thinking about saving up for a car or possibly starting to set aside money for college. Um, these are the things that are going to be on their mind's eye. Whereas a grade schooler, there's just not a whole lot where you can, that's just too far. And so their goals are going to be, you know, the kind of expensive Lego set that we can save three or four months for. That's kind of the the way to teach them those saving skills. But I do think as adults, we would need to sit down with them and to help them figure out 
how they could prioritize that and maybe how much time it might take. And, you know, maybe if they do a couple of extra chores or they they pitch a lemonade stand in the summer, they could actually have it happen more quickly. So I do think as adults, we can assist in that process and then help guide what goals they're coming up with. Um, certainly, if our kids are coming up with things they want to buy that aren't in alignment with our values as parents... <laughs> Well, we need to kind of redirect that. And, you know, if there's a certain you don't want certain toys in the house or video games or whatever, you need to be involved in that process. Um, to a certain degree. But then as they get older, that kind of begins to shift and, you know, you're giving them a real chance to do this on their own. Um, and that's really where I think those skills start to come into play and they they learn that at a fairly young age. And I do think as as your kids turn into kind of that preteen, teen years, I think it's more than appropriate to bring them to a part of your budget meeting or even to a part of your weekly family meeting. We're huge advocates of having a weekly family meeting. That's beyond finances, but we do it. And that could be a time where they get to kind of give input. You know, maybe you are planning that next family vacation and you're sitting down and you're good and you you know that you are going to have, you know, $5,000 and you're thinking about what fun activities you might do as a family and you know 1500 of that is going to be set aside for those well your kids might have some ideas like hey we want a zip line or we want a horseback ride or they might um or they want to just forego all of that and do something else and they could speak into that and i think it's more than appropriate to bring them into those conversations so they can begin realizing and understanding that you know there's more than one way to figure this out and if we we can always kind of shift down here and then our resources are freed up to go a little farther over here and they can be part of that. And that's a skill set they're going to need their whole life. Mm-hmm. That's great. And if you, you talked about weekly meetings, um, if you incorporate those weekly meetings and budgets and all that you've talked about thus far, how would our, your 2025, let's say a couple that's listening to this podcast right now, how would their 2025 look different if they start implementing these, these ideas and these practices now? Oh my goodness. I mean, night and day. Certainly. Yeah. If you're not doing any of this kind of thing now and you, I mean, golly, yeah, paint the pick four is going to be a whole lot better. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But then, yeah, but we, okay. We've been doing it for a year. You're going to be feeling just a lot more peace, more confidence, less, you know, worry and guilt and shame and fear, all those things. Your communication in your relationship is going to improve mm-hmm. because you've put in the practice talking about things that you're most likely a little uncomfortable about that are bringing up some of your vulnerabilities and you're going to increase the trust and the love between the two of you. And so that your, your marriage relationship is going to improve the way you're able to show up for your kids is, go, is going to improve. You will be uh, statistically less likely to take sick days or to show up late for work. You're going to, so you're going to be a better employee. Maybe, you know, because of that, there's, there's been a little bit of a raise or increase in responsibilities there. There's a lot of things um, that money ends up touching. And so when we pay attention to it, when we give it over to, uh, the Lord and we ask him to, you know, what do we, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to manage this? And we listen and we follow up with that, with action, good things are going to come out of that. Now it's not this, you know, this poison of, of worry and guilt and shame, uh, you know, seeping into everything, but it is a, a more life-giving water that's coming in and getting sucked up by the roots into the rest of our life. 
That's beautiful. Thank you. You forget how much, you know, it affects everything. That's, that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And how can we find, you know, more about Wallet Win or any other of your programs that you have? Yeah, well, if you are you're listening to this podcast in the app that you're using, just search the Catholic Money Show. You'll find our podcast where we talk every week about a different aspect of bringing our faith and our finances together. Mm-hmm. You can find all sorts of our programs at WalletWin.com, including the Catholic Money Academy, our Money Together Workshop for Couples, WalletWin Kids, the our Emergency Binder. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of things over there. Absolutely. So that's WalletWin, W-I-N.com, and the Catholic Money Show. Perfect. Thank you so much, both of you, for being on our show again. Of course. Thanks for having us. Yeah, a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. In 2024, we want to reach as many people as possible. You can help by sharing this episode with a friend, subscribing to the podcast, or leaving a review. To learn more, visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.